Over the last few months, we have had the opportunity to listen to uh, some very thought-provoking messages that have been a blessing to me. I I hope that they have also been a blessing to you. I, I want to remind you that those messages are available on our website and through, uh, uh, I, uh, through the iPod, uh, those of you who have that stuff. Uh, the AV team has been gracious to put all that stuff together and make it available to us. So thank you very much to those guys back there. I am also this morning excited because for some time we have been talking about going out into the community. And it has taken quite a bit of effort uh, to be able to coordinate the right opportunities for our members to participate in. Uh, And and this morning as I'm walking in, uh, Barbara Merman, uh, she's walking in and she's got a big smile on her face and she says, I have got some news for you. And I am so excited that we finally were able to find the right opportunity that is going to match with most of our people's times to be able to uh, make an effort and and get out there and and be an encouragement to somebody else. I hope that you are able to participate. We need about 12 people. Is that right? We need 12 people uh, to go through and we will prepare a meal. Uh, we will serve it. Uh, we will prepare the, the beds. Um, and and that will be about the extent of our, of our uh, effort. Once a month, second Sabbath of the month. Incidentally, I will tell you uh, how things work. I, I, I sometimes have to pinch myself. Uh, the Adventist Church has started an initiative uh, uh, at the beginning of the year about the Adventist church becoming a church of service, being more uh, intentional about our service to our, to our fellow uh, uh, community members. Little did we know that that initiative is focused on providing service uh, to our community, guess when? On the second Sabbath of the month. So, we're marching right into uh, a bigger plan that we had no idea about uh, without, even, without even knowing. So please take the time to uh, investigate and give your names as a participant. We would love to, to have this done. Let us have a word of prayer as we begin. Dear Heavenly Father, we welcome you today into our church but we also want to welcome you into our lives. I ask this morning a blessing for all our church members, whether they're here or not, and I ask that your spirit may lead the words that I say, that your name may be lifted up. In Jesus we pray, amen. Have you ever, (coughs) pardon me, Have you ever had one of those days? And I think you know which days I'm talking about. It's one of those days when you wake up out of a sound sleep 
And all of a sudden, you realize your alarm didn't go off. And you race out of the house on your way to work. Halfway there, you realize that your gas is out of, your tank is out of gas. And now you have to stop for gas. And you stop for gas. You, you're going to put the gas in. And in your rush, you left your wallet, you left your purse. Have you had one of those days? This is just a thing of beauty. It's happened. And you, you're, you're in your mad rush and frustrated. You look through the car and the, and the glove compartment. You find $3 in there that you had in there from the last time you went to pick up pizza. And you use those $3 and you put gas in the car enough to get to work. You get to work and in your rush to get in, you get to the door and the door is locked. It dawns on you. It's Sunday. <laughs> it's one of those days. <laughs> uh, perhaps your situation is a bit more, more serious, such as work decided that they are going to downsize, and they call you and say, we will no longer require your services. This happens. Or perhaps the situation is that you get a call saying that your father-in-law, who was just diagnosed with cancer less than 10 months ago, is in such a, the cancer is advancing so severely fast that he is now qualifying for hospice. What is the problem? Perhaps you receive a call saying your child is so sick and there is no way for you to help. How do we deal with these problems? How do we size these problems every single day? Either a new problem or the same problem attacking how do we size this up? Sometimes the same challenge, sometimes different challenges, but always a challenge. Have you lived with this? If you have not, I would love to meet you because you must be doing something that we all need to be doing. Are these problems overwhelming, too big, too oppressive, too distracting, too exhausting, too demeaning? How do we size these difficulties against who we are and what we believe? Today, once again, we are going to go back to the story in 1 Samuel 17. And today we are using the new, uh, let's see, what do we have here? The new king version or the king version, whichever of the two you have, because specifically there is a phrase in there that is not found in some of the other, in some of the other translations. And we go back to the story of David and Goliath. Mind you, I am well aware 
that we just visited this story two Sabbaths ago. And Pastor David Ferguson uh, had a very eloquent uh, and, and a blessing to many of us on the retelling of the story of David. And he emphasized the question, the, the issue about how we need to ask questions as church members. But today we're going to look at something a little bit different in this story of David. We already know the situation as we get to 1 Samuel 17. We know that the Philistines are on one side. We know that the Israelites are on the other. We know there is a valley in the middle. And on verse 22, he leaves his supplies, David, as he's coming. He's been sent by his father. He's coming to see his brothers. They've been there for some time. And he's coming to see his brothers. Uh, and he leaves his supplies with the, with the supply keeper, it tells us. And he, and he goes on to greet his brother because there has been some noise. There has been some noise. And it's interesting because the noise, the, 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 the noise of war... I think it was just a bunch of blustering, just manliness. We can fight, we can fight, we can fight. Because as the story tells us, he went, he heard the noise, he wanted to see what was happening, and it says it was the noise of the war. But when he gets there, the next verse says, and he was there greeting his brothers. So does it paint a picture for you? They're out here. We're going to array ourselves into battle. Hey, how you doing? So good to see you. I haven't seen you for a Yeah, great. Make some noise. Make you feel manly. That was David's that was David's arrival. And as he arrives there and they're doing all their manliness stuff, all of a sudden there is the giant. We know this story very well. And, I, and I'm going to invite Jack, if you wouldn't mind. And we have another young man here, Caleb. Is Caleb here? Caleb, would you come give me a hand here for a second? I want to I wanna just... Jack, how tall are you? 6'2". We stretch you right. Okay. 6'2". Six 6'2". Six six and how, how tall are you? Uh, you're probably about 5'5 five, five or so, right? I'm going to ask you to step down here, if you don't mind. All the way to the carpet. Okay. And you're 6'2", and we have probably around 2 feet, of, two feet of, of steps here, you think? About 2 feet of step or so. So that'll make you about 8'2". And, and, and uh, we're told that uh, Goliath was nine plus feet. So we're still a little short for what we're trying to accomplish here. And, and uh, Caleb here, you're going to turn around this way. You're going to turn around this way. And you're going to, do you think you can hit this guy without getting injured in the process? <laughs> Not too good, right? <laughs> uh, what do you think of this challenge? See, maybe I stand here with you for a little bit. Let's take a perspective of this. 
What do you think of this challenge? Do you think we can take him down? Let me, let me rephrase that. Do you think you can take him down? <laughs> okay. So, I, I want you to understand, and, and we'll probably add another foot or so to this, to this picture. And we, I want you to understand the magnitude of the difficulty of the problem. We're sizing this, and we are seeing that the problem is just not very, not very accomplishable. Thank you very much, you guys. Appreciate it. In verse 7, 16, it says, And the Philistine drew near and presented himself forty days morning and evening. For 40 days, this picture comes up and starts yelling at the Israelites. It is important that we understand what Goliath, Goliath did. He didn't just come out there and say, hey, come out and fight. It tells us that Goliath came out there and defied the army. He insulted the army. And the army was so afraid they would not do anything. Even further, Mrs. White, in her book, um, Conflict and Courage, page 162, says, Israel did not defy Goliath. But Goliath made his proud boasts against God and his people. This picture is changing very quickly here. He is not insulting just the Israelites. He is also insulting the God that they serve. That kind of changes the perspective of that thing. Because if somebody comes up to you and starts insulting you and the God that you serve, all of a sudden, this picture takes on a complexity. You are not the only one under attack. The God that you serve has, always, has now also entered into the fight. On your side, may I say. The fight was not just against the Israelites, as I said, but also against the God of the Israelites. A plastic surgeon in the 1950s, his name was Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Dr. Maltz was, uh, began to, to observe his patients. And after the surgeries, he realized that these patients would go home and they would look in the mirror at their brand new noses and, and I, uh, you know, I pulls up and all these things. And it would take them about 21 days for the patients to come to term to the new look and to get used to the new look. He also began to notice that patients who were amputees would have phantom pain 
for about 21 days, and it would take about 21 days for them to get used to the new situation. After studying further, he went ahead and wrote on the, on the uh, journals of medicine about the fact that it takes about 21 days for the brain to develop new pathways to change a habit or to change a thought. Today, scientists have done further studies and they discovered that it, it may take a little longer for different people, it may take a little less for others, and depending on the situation, it may take a long time as well. But they all agree that in as little as 21 days, your brain develops new pathways for new habits. You see where I'm going here? The Israelites have been insulted morning and evening for 40 days already. So I'm thinking that the Israelites are now sitting there saying, you know, there's no way out of this. I think we're just going to have to give up. They have already in their minds given up. They have already changed their thinking of who their God is because this guy for 40 days has been insulting their God and nothing has changed. By now, David has heard enough. He's listened to the giant for one day, one morning, and he's heard enough. And his question now becomes, who is this infidel Philistine accusing our God and our people? What is going to be done about it? And David began to ask the questions, and that was Pastor Ferguson's message to us. But there is one question that David asked, and we find that question in verse 29, verse 29 in the New King James. There's one short question that brings this whole thing into perspective. And as it is such a short question that we read it, we go through it, and we go on to the next verse because the story is very interesting. And we miss this little thing. And verse 29 says, And David, after he's been scalded by Eliab, his brother, for coming out here and, you know, who do you think you are and that type of thing. So David says to Eliab, he says, What have I done? And then comes the very important question. Is there not a cause? And you think to yourself, what? What is David asking? We're in the middle of a war here. And you're asking, is there not a cause? What do you mean, is there not a cause? Aren't we on the front line fighting? We're fighting for Israel. And David has the juncture to say, is there not a cause? David's question was not about, are you fighting for Israel? David's question was, 
What is the cause that makes you Israel? What is the cause that makes you a Seventh-day Adventist? What is it that you follow? Who is it that you follow? Is there a cause? Richie Fernando, a Filipino Jesuit, was a long way from home. He was a Filipino Jesuit in Buddhist Cambodia. Richie went to Cambodia in May of 1995 as part of his Jesuit training, and he entered the society in 1990s. Uh, before going on to theology studies and ordination, he was sent to Bante Prebe, a Jesuit technical school for the handicapped not far from Phnom Penh. Bente Prib described itself as a place that enables the disabled to tell, their, to tell their own stories, to gather strength and hope from being with one another, and to learn a new skill that enhances a sense of dignity and worth. Here in this school, people disabled by landmines, polio, and accidents learn skills that allow them to earn a living. Benti Prib means the center of the dove. Richie arrived. His devotion to the students quickly won their trust. He began learning their Khmer language and came to appreciate their religious traditions. And he loved to share their stories. Stories of survival during Pol Pot's genocide regime. Stories of the devastation of their, of their society through poverty, displacement, and the nine million landmines that still plague that, their land today. One of these survivors is Sarom. Sarom had been orphaned at the age of 16, and now he'd been maimed by landmines. Saron finished his courses at Bentipe and wanted to stay on there, but school said, you're too disruptive. We can't have you remain here. So Saron left, and on October 17th of 1996, Saron came back. He came back because he was angry and he wanted to stay in the school, and in his backpack he had brought with him a grenade. And as he came back and they tried to tell him to leave, he refused. And when Richie saw what his intentions were, Richie went and gave him a hug. And he said, teacher, let me go. I don't want to hurt you. Let me go. And Richie said, I love you too much to let you go. I am here with you now. Richie let go of the grenade in his hand, and in an instant, I'm sorry, Saron let, let go of the grenade in his hand, and in an instant, Richie was dead. Four days before his death, Richie had written a long letter to his friend, Toted Baniaino. I know, this is what he said. I know where my heart is. 
It is with Jesus Christ who gave his all for the poor, the sick, and the orphan. I am confident that God never forgets his people, our disabled brothers and sisters, and I am glad that God has been using me to make sure that our brothers and sisters know this fact. I am convinced this is my vocation. I love Jesus Christ. This story has been told by Father Edward Schmidt in his book, Love, I Loved and I Followed Christ. Richie had the answer to David's question. Is there no cause? When Goliath chose to insult the people of Israel, he also chose to insult God. The message for this morning is this. The problems and difficulties that we face daily are not designed to hurt us as much as they are designed to convince us that the God we serve is incapable of delivering us from our giant. I'm going to say that again. Because this is the statement that can change our lives. It says the problems and difficulties that we face are not designed to hurt us as much as they are designed to convince us that the God we serve is incapable of delivering us from our giants. The situations that we face are too impossible. You saw the magnitude of the problem we had here between David, our fake David, and our fake Goliath. The magnitude of the problem, it is insurmountable. But we have been told by our problems Our problems have been with us for so long, one after another after another. We have been told by our problems that there is no one that can help us for so long, for so long, that now our brain paths have been well developed into understanding that we are on this alone. Does that make sense to you? Am I, I hope that I am being clear. I'll tell you, as I was thinking about this message this week, Thursday night, I came across a situation that kind of tested my theory. I was called at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon uh, to go uh, help a patient at the hospital. And it turned out that we had to put a device that 
the patient remains on for a number of days. And as we were doing this, the first thought that comes to my mind is, I have the sermon on Sabbath, and I need to find somebody to help me, give me a break here. And I start making phone calls, and everybody that usually is available for me to use is out of town. It's it's a holiday weekend. And I sat for a moment, and I said, you know, the message that I am preparing says that if I trust God, he can cover whatever insurmountable problems I can find. Shortly after I sat there for for a few minutes and, and thought about this, Uh, The surgeon that I'm working with comes around and he says, "Uh, Afif, uh, get the patient ready. We're going to transfer the patient to another hospital. Boom. Just like that. And I asked the question. I said, "Uh, why are we transferring him? Why are we transferring this patient? I mean, we have the skills and the abilities to supply the health care this patient needs. And he says to me, the cardiologist who is managing this patient wants this patient someplace else. Just like that. The problems and difficulties that we face are not designed to hurt us as much as they are designed to convince us. To convince us that the God we serve is not able to deliver us. My friends, this morning, I pray that in your heart, you figure out the answer to David's question. Is there no cause? Is there no cause in your life? Is there no cause for us as a people? Is there no cause for us as a church? My answer to you is, there is a God who is waiting for us to say, yes, there is a cause, and this is the God I serve, and I have no issue with whatever problem comes up because he is here to deliver me. I pray, my friends, that our cause is the cause of our God. Dear Father in heaven, faith is the victory. Faith is the answer to our question. Father, we ask that you help us understand that you're always on our side, and that when we measure up against our problems, we're not measuring ourselves, but we're measuring you against the problems. And there is no way that the problems can win. Father, I ask you that as we go out of this place, and that as we go through the week, 
that we keep in mind, freshly in our mind every day, that there is a cost. And it is the cost of the banner of Jesus. In Jesus we pray all these things. Amen.